1: Let's take a moment together to pray. Christ, today we, we thank you and we claim that you, Christ, are with us. You are before us and behind us. You are within us, beneath and above, on our right and on our left, when we lie down, sit down, and when we rise. And Lord, we pray that as we dwell in you, that you would bear fruit, that you would be on the heart of those who think of us. You'd be on the mouth of the people who speak of us. You'd be in the vision of those who see us and in the hearing of those who listen to us. Lord, as we hear this message, I pray that you'd help us discern our next steps as we listen to you and as we dwell in you, that you may be known and that your good fruit would come in our lives to the people around us. Um, and we, we, thank, we thank you for this. We love you for this, this process of walking with you. Give us wisdom to do that uh, through, through our time together today. Amen.
0: Good morning, Ebenezer family. I'm glad to be with you today in our summer series, A Long Walk with Jesus. And today we'll be looking at the parable in Matthew 21. But before we go into that uh, scripture, let me first introduce or welcome uh, Michael Fast. I don't think I can introduce him. I'm, I'm sure you know, you know him more than me. But uh, welcome, Brother Michael. I'm so glad uh, to come to know you more in these uh, couple of weeks, to sit together, study this scripture together, and pray together. So I'm honored. I learned a lot from you, and I'm glad that you are with us today.
2: Well, thank you. It's really as a privilege to be here uh, today with you. Um, this is a special summer because uh, not only um, are, uh, am I with you once this summer. Then I think this is the third time I've preached this summer at Ebenezer. So that's uh, <laughs> that's a uh, a pleasant uh, a pleasant happiness.
0: <laughs> Great. So why not at the beginning? I'm sure many people know you, but I just for those who maybe don't know uh, Michael or even don't know Shadi Shadi. I am the pastor of the Arabic church and I am part of the staff at Ebenezer. But also, Michael, why not you introduce yourself to those who doesn't know you and especially what you are doing in Saskatoon? Well, my name is Michael Fast
2: and together with my wife, Eva, we serve uh, with the Baptist General Conference of Canada and we've been in Southeast Asia for, I guess coming up 21 years uh, in next week, I think is our, is our 21st anniversary there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been working, uh, of course, doing uh, uh, theological education. Uh, my wife is a midwife and she's been uh, uh, developing a birthing clinic, uh, clinic there. But actually since March, we've been in, we've been in Saskatoon since March. Uh, uh, we had a planned uh, home assignment. And so we came uh, to Canada to visit churches. Not knowing, of course, that we weren't able to visit anybody in in a physical way, and so we got a little bit caught by COVID, and mm-hmm. we're supposed to be back already in the Philippines, but uh, here we are. Um, so, uh, but while we're while we're still in Saskatoon, we've still been able to do ministry. Uh, you know, we've mm-hmm. connected with we've connected with some churches. Uh, we've been involved in some in some small groups, and I've been teaching uh, online. Uh, I guess if I was still in my house in Manila. Uh, I'd be teaching on Zoom, and that's what I'm doing here from our place here in Sutherland. So I've been doing some classes uh, for pastors, uh, Filipino pastors around the world. And so wow. we have class, classes. I just finished one last week and looking forward to having another, another one in September and another one in October again. Um, and how, uh, ma- how many pastors are in these classes? Uh, well the last class we had there was about 50 pastors and so which is quite a large group uh, that's actually bigger than we would normally have in a class so i don't know if that's a good or or uh, you know somehow god is using this time of crisis to uh, to you know he's giving us opportunities to still continue to
0: minister great so you you said you are teaching now classes and uh, i know that uh, you got your phd degree just recently so why why not you also tell us about uh, your phd degree
1: uh,
2: uh, uh, well i you know i had an opportunity to do some research uh, about some men in our community we live in uh, talking to them about their masculinity and about their connection to god mm-hmm. and uh so i was able to have good conversations with some men and it was a result of that research uh, they decided to give me a, a degree, so that's a side benefit to that. But the real reason I was I was was doing it was to try to help find ways to minister more effectively to, particularly to men in our community. That seems to be a a group that uh, uh, has a more nebulous connection to church than than we would like, and so it was good for me to talk with those men. And learn a little bit, uh, learn from them about their understandings of God, uh, what it means to to have a proper relationship with God, what they understand that means, and uh, and uh, and some of their dreams, and hear some of their stories of of how God has worked in their life. So it's uh, it was a real privilege for me to be able to work with them on that.
0: So here we are, Ebenezer. I am with a theologian, with a PhD (laughs) uh, holder, with a a missionary in the Philippines, with a pastor, with a son of a missionary and a pastor. And Michael, I told you this, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, (laughs) I I think Pastor Layton put me in a tough situation. But uh, you know what? I told you that, like, you can preach today the whole the whole time and I'll just read the verses for you and I will be happy to do that and I'm honored <laughs> to be sharing uh, the screen with you today
2: <laughs> Well I've enjoyed I've enjoyed discussing things with you and and certainly this is something that we're doing together and so I've enjoyed uh, hearing your insights as well into what's going on and so this is very much a team effort so I'm really happy to be a part of it
0: <laughs> God bless you. So uh, Ebenezer, why not each one of us has a Bible in his hand and let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 21 and look from verses 28 till uh, that parable of the two sons. It's a tale of two sons. It's different than the tale of the two sons which is in Luke 15. This is a different one. But let me at the beginning just give like the narrative for this parable. This parable mentioned in Matthew 21 and it's only mentioned in Matthew. It's not mentioned in any other gospel. And this parable is mentioned within the last week of the Lord Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem, just before his crucifixion. And when he entered Jerusalem in that triumphal entry, then he went to the temple, as you know, and cleans cleans the temple, drove out those who are selling and buying in the temple. And then the religious leaders came to him asking him, on what authority are you doing this? And he said, I will answer that question only if you answer my question. The baptism of John was from God or was from whom? And of course, they didn't answer. And as we read in this parable, the parable of the two sons, we may re- we will see that the Lord Jesus also mentions uh, John the Baptist. So let's read from verse uh, 28. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And He's the Lord Jesus saying, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, the son answered, I go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. It's a very interesting parable uh, Michael and maybe we don't talk about this parable a lot. Maybe when we mention the parable of the two sons we go to the to Luke 15 and that well known parable but maybe we don't talk a lot about the, this parable. So I'm really glad that I had the chance more to dig this parable especially with you. And I want just at the beginning to you know chat with you about these two sons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why, why the Lord Jesus? Why do you think the Lord Jesus mentioned this parable? Who are these two sons mentioned in this parable?
2: Well, it's interesting if we look at the, even the very first verse. Jesus begins with, "What do you think?" You know, which is unusual, I think, uh, for a parable. Mm. Uh, normally, he talks about the kingdom of God or something, but but he seems to be posing a question uh, about. It seem, it seems about two groups of people. Uh, or two teams on this, you know, whether this is some kind of a Stanley Cup playoff or, or something, I don't know what it is. But uh, <laughs> um, but we, we have two groups and, and, one, and they're represented by these two sons. Uh, I mm-hmm. suppose you could say there's a third group, which is the father. And certainly we'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, on, if we look actually down to verse 45, you'll, you know, Jesus sort of identifies or the gospel writer identifies who these two parties are. And we realize mm-hmm. one group is the group of the Pharisees. Uh, and the other group is the group of prostitutes and tax collectors. And these are two, mm-hmm. these are two very opposite groups uh, that are talked about in the Bible. I guess for me, the Pharisees would be people who, you know, they are, they're, they're better than we are. You know, these people memorized the scriptures. They had a very rigid set of laws that they followed. So they knew if they were being righteous or not. You know, I think they were actually better at it than, than we are uh, in our present day. They had a, they, in a sense, they had an unparalleled understanding of and an unparalleled obedience uh, to the scriptures. Uh, that was a very important part of their life. So they knew everything that needed to be done. Uh,
1: yeah. On the other hand, the
2: prostitutes and tax collectors, they're sort of at the opposite end. You know, perhaps they knew some things that needed to be done. They probably knew scripture. They were probably from the Jewish uh, the Jewish uh, community as well, um, but it's almost like they had an unparalleled rebellion against God and against mm. the scriptures um, because everything that, that God talked about uh, it's, it seems that this group of people sort of was perceived as being uh, going against all of that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Um,
0: so, yeah. So, 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 so like you are telling us, these two sons are representing two teams or two groups of people around Jesus at that time. So there is this, the first son who said, no, I don't want to go. When the father asked him to go and help in the vineyard, he said, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go, and then he changed his mind. And Jesus is referring to the tax collectors who changed their mind and came back to the Lord. But the second son, who is the one who said, Yes, I will go, but then he didn't do what his promise what he promised his dad, or even uh, what his dad asked him to do. So Mm I, I want to f- first talk about the second son because he's interesting like he said I will I will do okay. it sir I will go and do it sir but then he didn't do it so this is like strange why did he say I will do it and then he didn't do it why do you think
2: well it, it is interesting I mean why 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 do we do that I guess I guess I should start out by saying I think the goal Uh, the goal for us today is to try to identify who I'm I'm supposed to find out who am I in the story. I'm not supposed to try to categorize my friends and neighbors and Uh say, you're the first son, you're the second son. I'm supposed to find out which of these two sons am I in my daily life. Um, And so uh, let's try to do that. And I guess I think about the times um, when I say yes, but I don't do it. Uh And so I, I try to analyze myself, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps we, the, the son didn't go because he was afraid. Um, he was afraid of what, of what might happen, maybe because he had all this, this knowledge about what it meant to work in the vineyard. Uh, maybe he'd studied, maybe he had a great education, a, practi- a, a sort of a theoretical knowledge. Mm. But yet when it came down to getting his hands dirty, he sort of thought, oh no, what if I don't really know what to do? So there's this fear. And I think the fear is also connected. You mentioned John the Baptist uh, in your introduction. Um, you know, the, the reason that the Pharisees didn't answer the question Jesus posed them was because they were afraid. They were afraid of, uh, you know, they were afraid either of the people would not respect them anymore, or else they were afraid because they would have to change what they were doing and how they were acting. And so I think there's this idea of, of being afraid to lose your position mm-hmm. or your, you know, a position of authority that might be. So it could be that's the reason why the second son didn't go. Um, another thing could be, maybe he was busy. You know, I, I often say, I often say to my wife, uh, I say, well, it's on my to-do list. You know, I have a list of things that I want to do. And I look at that every day. Um, but sometimes I don't actually finish those, that list of tasks because I've got other things, you know, other things take priority. And it could be that, I mean, I don't know what takes priority over, you know, a, a command from your father, but you know, I can see, uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, being, you know, whatever's urgent. I need to do this first or, you know, I need to prioritize, um, right. yeah. you know, sometimes even I suppose it's sacrifice or, or, I mean, the first step is the hardest, you know, I, I, I mm. you know, okay, now I have to do it. You know, I know what to do, but, you know, when I take that first step, do, will I, will I really be able to accomplish what I need? Um, so, you know, I think ultimately he's afraid to sacrifice. He has to sacrifice his his being right. He has to sacrifice his power in the situation. Uh, he, has to, he has to have to take the chance to fail, even though he knows everything that's right to do. I mean, that's what I was thinking about. I'm not sure. I don't know what you think about that.
0: Yeah, so, you know, uh, the idea of the sacrifice is a great one because I think following the Lord Jesus always, always requires a risk or a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine, even in the Bible, if you can you don't see anyone who really followed the lord jesus without risking something or sacrificing something to mm-hmm. so that he will be able to follow the lord but if like and you know this parable, parable reminds me with with my sons like even anybody like his sons can mm-hmm. can say like i ask when uh, can you do this and then he will say yeah dad and then i will find him one hour later he didn't do anything and the other one he said no, no why i have to do that and then I will find that he will go and do it. Mm. And sometimes, of course, both of them will say no, and then don't do, they don't do it. And then I have to disconnect the internet for a few <laughs> days that I, I put them back to the on the track. So, but I think the Lord Jesus like uh, repeated one phrase two times, especially mm-hmm. when talking in the, in the first son, he said that when the son said, no, I don't want to do it. And then he, the Lord said, he changed his mind and mm-hmm. he went and did it. And then the later on in the parable, he said the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they changed their mind and went back and came, mm-hmm. believed in John the Baptist. But the religious leaders, they didn't change their mind. So mm-hmm. changing y- your mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, we looked at different translations. Sometimes it came as repentance. Sometimes it came as regret, regret. they mm-hmm. regretted and went back. So... Maybe I, let's speak a little bit about repentance, something maybe we don't speak a lot in our churches, repentance. Mm-hmm. Well, what yeah. do Her, think about repentance?
2: What do I think about it? Uh, I don't like to do it. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But,
2: but I mean, I think that's really the issue. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it means to do something different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe there's sort of three different perspectives on repentance. You mm-hmm. know, one of them is changing your mind. You know, we're supposed to change our mind and start thinking a new way. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, we like to do that, but it's hard to do that. But, you know, so there's an idea of somehow in our, in our mind, we have to, we have to transform the way we think. And of course Mm -hmm. we see lots of scripture talking about that. Mm -hmm. There's also this idea of, of doing a 180 degree turn. You know, you're going one direction and repentance means to start going the other direction again. So it's really sort of almost a a complete transformation of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then there's a third aspect to repentance, which, which is almost, uh, it's almost like it's coming home. And of course, we see that a little bit uh, throughout, uh, throughout Jesus' parables, where in a sense, God is calling his family to come home. You know, even in this parable, he wants his sons to help, uh, to help, you know, with the family business of the vineyard. And so there's this idea of returning to some kind of authenticity as, as created beings, uh, children of God. And so God's calling us to return. So I think all of these aspects are, are are related to repentance, but it seems to me it's also something that that we have to keep doing on a daily basis.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe this is where I, I just want to share. Like, I think sometimes as Christians we think repentance is something I do at the beginning of my journey with the Lord, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Now mm-hmm. I don't do it again. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you said, repentance is a continuous and maybe daily process. Mm -hmm. Uh, These verses reminded us when we were uh, practicing or studying for for this uh, parable with uh, the first uh, epistles of of John. And and John, in the first chapter, uh, verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And I really, Michael, like that John is including himself with Mm. us. He -hmm. doesn't say, if you say you have no sin. He's saying, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, and John again is including himself, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So, and here we have one of the greatest promises of of, uh, of, of God for us in in the scripture that if we come back to him and we confess our sins, we he will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So mm-hmm. I think repentance is something to be taken seriously. And mm-hmm. as we walk in this day, as we walk in this life, we we get we sin, we stumble, we we you know we do mistakes, but we mm-hmm. have always to come back and repent and change mm-hmm. our minds. And maybe sometimes changing our minds about some stuff that we thought it's always been that way. It's always, this is the way But then God is teaching us something different. And then we have to change our mind of thinking about many stuff, especially, or otherwise we will be like these religious leaders who said like from, from the outside, they are saying, yes, we follow God's commands. We follow the Lord. We are the workman in his vineyard, but, but they are not doing, what, what God is asking them, and this is very, very dangerous. I'm, I'm afraid, as you said, we want to look for ourselves in the, the parable, and I'm afraid maybe many times, me and maybe others from who are listening, doing the same thing and saying, we are followers of Jesus, but maybe we don't do what he's asking us to do, and we are more like the second son who are just proclaiming that we are follower, followers, but we are not living the life that glorify him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, back to, to, the, to the parable in, in Matthew 21. And yes. then the Lord said, which of the two did the will of the Father? And this is a difficult subject, the will of the Father, the yes. will of God. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you one question, Michael. You know, yes. like for you as a Canadian living mm-hmm. in Canada and and uh, you know, you could have a good life here in Canada. Why did you go to the Philippines? This is a big step. And for how many years now you are in the Philippines? Uh, yeah, for 20 years, yeah. 20 years. So yeah. why did you do that? Well, uh, you
2: know, I, I think that God, uh, God called me to do that. You know, I, 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 get a, I have a, had a sense since I was very young that God wanted me to, to go somewhere else to proclaim the good news. And, uh, um, you know, I don't know if it's more complicated than that. You know, I didn't think about, you know, I didn't really think that it's a sacrifice. You know, I didn't think okay. that I was giving anything up. It was just something that I was eager to do. Um, I'm not sure that I was fully prepared. I mean, uh-huh. you know, cer- certainly you have an idea. I know what it's like. Okay. If I'm a missionary, I will go somewhere else. But then, when you get there, you have to. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do when I'm here? You know, is it more? It's more than simply going. It's also, uh, you know, participating in the life of the community. It's also uh, trying to understand and love people, and and even how do I present the gospel in a culture that's not my own? So there, there have been some, you know, there's there's some steps through to the process. But ultimately, it's you know, I guess. Well, maybe you know. I, well, I guess maybe it's because I feel God wanted me to do that, and that was enough for me to do.
0: Yeah. And here I want to ask also a question related to your experience in the Philippines. But first, let me say that I am from Jordan. Mm -hmm. And in Jordan, a country in the Middle East, like most of the people believe in a creator. They believe in the God. So Mm -hmm. to tell them that are, are 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 we really following the real God or are we doing the will of God, this is not an easy thing. And I think in the Philippines, even it's maybe very... Maybe very different, but also very difficult because I think the Philippines is the only Christian nation, or they say they are the only Christian nation in Asia. Yes. So when you are speaking there, when you are proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus as a missionary, as a pastor, as a friend, um, as a Canadian... Mm -hmm. like the people around you they are saying we are you know either they call themselves catholic or christians or spiritual but they Mm -hmm. say we we know god and Mm -hmm. we 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 have photos for him and we have we go to the church and so how do you you know how do you deal with the with these situations
2: well uh, yeah i mean that and that's certainly true you know everywhere you go you see evidence of people's belief in not only belief in God, but belief yeah. in Jesus uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, Jesus as the savior. And, and uh, you know, the vast majority of Filipinos would self-identify as you know followers of Jesus Christ in some way or another, yeah. um, you know, probably 90, 90, 95% of everybody there. Um, uh, and there's this, there's this concept within, within Philippine culture of being what they call makajos, which means people who are, godly you know that's i guess in english that'd be the closest translation godly religious spiritual um sort of you know wanting to do whatever god wants them to do and so there there is a basic understanding of uh of what it means to be a follower of god and even if you talk like i did my my research among men and i would talk to them and i would say what does it mean what does it mean to be a follower of god and every one of them um, even, even the men who did not attend church or, you know, didn't regularly go to church or didn't seem to be very spiritual in any way. They, they knew exactly what it meant to be, to be a follower of God and, and they identify I, I follow God. Um, and so in that situation, you know, uh, like I did, I don't have to start, with apologetics of proving the existence of God because people, mm. everyone, everybody knows God, even people who aren't Christians mm. in the Philippines just generally believe that God exists and there's a, an important spiritual aspect to life. Uh, and so for me, it's an idea to sort of say, let's join, let's go on a journey together. Let's, let's try to be better followers of God. You know, so mm-hmm. what would that, what would that mean? So I think it's a, it's an opportunity for me to learn from them the things they know about following God. And maybe they can learn from me the things that I know about following God. And maybe we can become better followers of God in the future. Um, so it's not so much an idea of you need to repent of your sins now and and change. It's an idea of, okay, we're on a journey. Everybody acknowledges they've gone through that phase. So how do we become closer to God?
0: So it's more about uh, knowing who, who is this God who are following. Yes, no, I think so. Knowing more about him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this parable also reminded me with, with something the Lord Jesus said in, in John 13, after mm-hmm. he washed the feet of his disciples. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. So he's saying, you are calling me teacher and Lord, I, and I am the teacher and the Lord. But he's saying, if I then, he didn't say teacher and Lord, he's, he put... And the second time he put, I am your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. And I think, Michael, I don't know what you think about that, but we love the teacher who is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't like the Lord Jesus. We love even from different religions and background. Tell them about, uh, you know, the teaching of the Lord Jesus they will love him. They will love what he said, because nobody said anything like it. Mm -hmm. But, but sometimes I feel the the difficulty is that the Lord is not, Jesus is not just a teacher or or a good teacher. He is Lord. And if he is Lord, then we are servants for him. Mm -hmm. We have to follow him. If he's the master, if he's Adonai, Lord, then we have to follow him. And I think this is the difficulty. We, many, like, different backgrounds, different religions like Jesus Christ, but they like him as a teacher, but they maybe, they don't want him as Lord. And sometimes I feel this is also for us as Christians. We like to hear about him, but we don't really like to follow him. And when, especially when following him requires taking a risk or taking a sacrifice. So, do you think, from your experience in the Philippines, people are more li- like they like more the teacher Jesus more than the Lord Jesus? Well, I think it's.
2: I think they they like the fact that Jesus is Lord. Hmm. Uh, you know, sort of of the universe. But hmm. when it comes down to a personal thing of oh, he's also my Lord, I hmm. think that's where where it's difficult because it's hard for us to want to submit to uh, to God. Um, and I guess thinking about even thinking about the story we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one son, uh, he was happy with Jesus to, as a teacher. Okay. Tell me some things and, you know, and I'll learn, I'll add to my knowledge. Uh, but you know, don't tell me what to do. The other, the other son, you know, he was thinking, I've got my own life figured out. Don't tell me what to do. But yet he needed mm-hmm. to submit to, you know, he needed the teacher to tell him what to do. So, um, I think, and I, I think, I think in the Philippines, actually, as, as I reflect on it, people are happier with the Lord because maybe he's a bit more distant. Um, mm. and and and. But the teacher part where it becomes more personal, that's where it's, there's a struggle. And even for me, for myself, know. You know, I'm happy that God is the creator, they have a heaven and earth and I worship him. But the moment I find him trying to help me change my own life, that's when I start to, to resist, and you know, my my inner rebellion comes out, and I say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. But so I think, I think even just for me personally, not just not just the people that I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it would be the teaching sometimes that's more difficult because then that means mm-hmm. I have to change.
0: Okay, so at the beginning you said that when we read these parables, we need to look for ourselves in these parables. Who, 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 who which son, or who? Whom I am in these two sons. And I, I really like that. It's not about categorizing others, mm-hmm. like yeah, this yeah. person is the first son, this person is the second son. It's about mm-hmm. speaking to myself, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in the light of, of God's word. Where mm-hmm. where do I stand? But mm-hmm. also there's another question, Michael, is where is Jesus in this parable? Because yeah, I always love <laughs> I, I, I always love to look for the Lord Jesus as I read in the Bible. So mm-hmm. in this parable. What do you think? Where did Jesus in this problem?
2: Well, you know, the, this in the story, neither of the two sons is perfect. You know, each of them uh-huh. has an issue they have to resolve. So we can't sort of choose one over the other as being the better son. Um, but, I, you know, I think that Jesus sort of fits in between the two. You know, uh-huh. so, you know, Jesus, you know, he, he, when he came to earth, he didn't, he didn't seek power. He wasn't interested in in the power that comes with, you know, with being, you uh, that he could take being God. I mean, even in Philippians chapter two, uh-huh. you know, there's a famous story of Jesus' submission. You know, it says uh, in verse six to eight, although he was in, was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of his equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is not a man who wants... To grab power and say, "Look how important I am." This is someone who said, "Okay, yeah, I'm the Son of God. Okay, that's that's good, but I'm willing at this point to identify and become a human, so that uh, um, because I want to show what it means to be to be humble." So Jesus didn't seek power. So he wasn't the son who, um, you know, he wasn't the son who identifies with the Pharisees where they knew everything. Even though, of course, he's the he is the Son of God. He's the one who. Who is the Word of God, and so everything we read in the Bible is His. You know, he didn't he didn't grab onto that and say, "Well, you need to listen to me because I'm I'm in authority." But then, on the other hand, he also wasn't rebellious. He was sort of submissive. You know, because there was a chance in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is praying, and it's, you know, it's 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 the time the time is about to come when he uh, when he goes to the cross, and you know, he has an interesting verse that you know he says in Luke chapter twenty two forty two. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. And, you know, often we go out to the next part, which we'll look at, but take this cup away from me. You know, he's sort of saying almost in a sense, do I really have to do this? Isn't there another plan? You know, maybe yeah. we can come up with a new idea. And, and so he's, and I don't think he's being rebellious at this you know, point. Of course, we can't say that. But I, I think there's a little bit of something there that's, okay, do, you know, do, I re- do we really want to go ahead with this? Of course, immediately he says, uh, you know your will be not not mine he mm. says to his father so he's immediately submissive but there's that sense where he could have gone the other way he could have said you know what uh, let's not go ahead with the, with the crucifixion let's just you know let's find another way but so so in one hand god doesn't or jesus didn't seek power and in the other hand he also didn't say i know a better way he was fully submissive to god and, and followed for God's will. And so I think ultimately the, the best of the, if the two sons were to get together and the one would, they would agree and they would also act, that's ultimately
0: what Jesus did. He agreed and he acted as well. So the Lord Jesus said to his father, yes, I will do it. Mm-hmm. And and then he did it. And then he did it, yes. Not, so he's, he's not any of the two sons like representing really fully him, but he mm-hmm. said, I will do it. Yes, mm-hmm. and then he did it. And this reminds me of a verse in Second Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 19, he says, For the Son of God, the Apostle Paul is saying that for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. So mm-hmm. he did it because he said, yes, Father, I submit to your will. And mm-hmm. he went to the cross. Even... Uh, You know, Michael, when the the parable that's really following this parable in Matthew 21, which is the parable of the wicked tenants, which also speaks about a vineyard, but speaking about now giving more information about what God is doing. He said he sent these tenants, which is the Jewish nation, send them prophets, and they killed some and they, uh, you know, kicked out some. But then he said, I will send my son. And they did to him what's mentioned that they took him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Mm-hmm. But what's really giving me hope is the third parable, which is in Matthew 22, which is not a vineyard that where you have to wear to please the father. It's, it's a feast, it's a wedding mm-hmm. feast. And mm-hmm. what you have to do, you have to accept the invitation because everything is done. And you have just to accept the invitation to come to attend this feast. And I think this is the gospel message now. It's yes. not about following rules. It's not about being religious or going to the to the, to the the church building on Sunday. And I think with the COVID now, this is something maybe we learned that the church is not the church building, but mm-hmm. it's about accepting the invitation that God has provided for us through the sacrifice of his son. And mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned something uh, like I really like what you said, that uh, like both sons were were wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I read what the Lord said, and uh, back to the parable in verse uh, 31, I think, yeah, he said, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. I, li- mm-hmm. I really like the phrase before you. He's talking with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he t- he's, he's telling them, it's not that the tax collectors will go into the kingdom of God or are going now into the kingdom of God. And the door is closed for you. He's Mm -hmm. saying they are going before you. So so like from your, from your experience and machinery field in the Philippines and in Canada, like I I want to send the gospel message, but like, is there a hope for anybody? Is there hope for everybody through Jesus Christ, through, through him? That we can come to a relationship with God through Him is this invitation just for Christians or Catholic, or it's for everybody? Well, I think the the story
2: uh, the story tells us it's for everybody, because the father you know the father is consistent throughout the story. He goes and says to one son, "Go work in the vineyard," and he goes to say to the other son, "Go work." So he talks to them both, and you know it, there aren't five or six sons. There's only two. And, 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 and so often we think one is in and one is out. But, but I think what he's sort of saying is that everyone in the world is, is a part of God's family. He's represented in either the first son or the second son. And God's command is the same to all of them. And then we see that there's hope. You know, uh, certainly certainly the, 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 the one son who refused and then repented, you know, he certainly has hope because he did what the father wanted him to do. But then th- that phrase, just like you said, you know, before you. You know, there's an idea that it's not just you and it's not just them. It's you together. And, and, uh, and we do actually read throughout the rest of scripture that the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees are always sort of the bad guys. You know, these are Jesus' <laughs> enemies. That's the idea we have, and there's no hope for them. But we actually read that everybody gets a second chance and maybe a third and fourth and fifth chance. I don't know how many chances we get. In Acts chapter 7, we read mm-hmm. about, uh, it's uh, Acts chapter 6, sorry, verse 7. A large number of priests accepted the faith, and so uh-huh. you have you have this group that was traditionally opposed to Jesus. Eventually, they said, "Oh, okay, Jesus is right. Let's follow him." And so these are, of course, the priests are, are traditionally associated with the Sadducees because that's sort of the priestly thing. Even Paul himself, in Philippians chapter three, he says, "I am a Pharisee." And certainly, we know Paul as one of the most devout and uh, and uh, aggressive you know followers of Jesus. But yet he started in life as a Pharisee. And of course, even Nicodemus, you know, in in sort of one of the most famous, you know, conversion stories in, in John chapter three, you know, Nicodemus comes and Jesus says, you have to be born again. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Nicodemus in fact was born again. And even though he was a Pharisee. So, so I think, I think that the message that Jesus brings is not, the door is not closed. The door is always open. And so even if we may be Uh, Even if we may be rebelling against God, we have a chance to come back and say, Lord, I'll submit to you and I will do what you want me to do. On the other hand, even if we think, well, I know everything, everything's okay, everything's perfect, I've got it all figured out. We have to have a chance to say, yeah, okay, I I thought I had it figured out, but I realized I need to also submit to you, Lord. And so I think it's a chance for everybody uh, to follow Christ.
0: Amen. And I really want to finish with this idea, with the gospel message being proclaimed for everybody, and yes. everybody is included. Yes. And, uh, you know, we it's a very short verses, short story, but mm-hmm. talks a lot about repentance, about sacrifice, about taking risks, about uh, following God's will, and about a second chance for everybody. So yes. why not we conclude this, uh, Brother Michael, with, uh, with a prayer. Why not you pray for everybody who's listening to us and uh, maybe for listening for the first time for the gospel message and maybe God spoke to their hearts for the first time. Why not we pray and okay. uh, finish uh, this uh, sermon together?
2: Okay. Okay. Lord, we know that you are a great God and we yes. thank you. Uh, for uh your sacrifice uh, we thank you for jesus coming to earth we thank you for his example of submission and his example of 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 humility and lord we pray that uh, we would also find that in our hearts and lord you know that uh, we are here to proclaim your word and we know lord that your word is powerful and it moves and works in people and we pray lord that those who are listening Would be moved, and that you would help us as we continue our journey towards you. uh, That uh, we would we would be more like you. Yes, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name,
0: Amen. Amen, Amen. And yes, Lord, help us be like you, say yes, and do what you ask us to do. God bless you, Michael. I'm really honored to to share this with you, and I pray that the Lord will will use you more within Canada and the Philippines or wherever. He's, uh, he's using you, and He will bring many fruits through you and your family. God bless you, and thank you for being with us today.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's, been a, it's really been a pleasure, and I enjoyed our time together. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.